right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. Uh, I wanted to come to you today. This is kind of a little bit out of the ordinary, just because I'm I'm not going to be uh, walking through Hebrews, but I did want to come on here and and hopefully give you all some uh, just some encouragement from the progress that I've been able to make in my own life um, in in several different ways. Uh, obviously, what we're talking about here, what you're listening to, we're we're talking about in regards to pornography addiction. And so we're, we're most definitely going to address that, but I want to, I want us to really look at nine, nine things, uh, that I've been able to change in my life that have led to an overall, um, improvement, like that have led to uh, a different life over the past several years. So I'll kick it off by saying this, like a lot of people want to change without changing anything. Like a lot of people talk about wanting to change and make, and they make big declarations. You know, a lot of times people land in a pit and when they're in the pit and feeling desperate, they say, this has to change. I've got to change and they cry out for change, and then nothing changes. So, uh, I mean, just imagine all the times that, that you've said, I want to quit looking, for, looking at porn for good. Like, this is it. This is the last time. I'm done. I'm done. And you blink your eyes, and decades go by. Or another example is, I got to get in shape. I want to get in shape. I mean, there's so many examples that we can we could look to and we could choose from where people want to change without changing anything. And I would say this is this is true for a vast majority of people. And so what happens is, like I just mentioned, decades pass and nothing really changes. They're still looking at the same shows social accounts still have the same morning routines, evening routines, eating habits, workout habits, or non-habits, whatever the case is, they don't do anything to change. And for guys who are struggling with pornography, this probably, you know, at the very, at the very least, I want to say most of the guys that I speak with about this, about this issue of porn in their life have, most of them have downloaded some internet blocking software. And what, what I, th- what, and I'm not saying these things are, are bad, uh, necessarily, but what I'm, but what I think the motive behind this is, is that, Hey, if I can download this, there's maybe a couple of things, maybe this will do the job for me. Maybe this software will do the work for me. Or they, so that's one, that's one, um, scenario. The other scenario is, I need to download this blocking software because you know what, if I do this, I don't have to talk to anybody about this issue. I I can do this in secret. I can do this in isolation. I can do this in silence. And so they never, ever talk to anybody else about it. And guess what? Guess what? It doesn't work. So in the case of physical activity, people, people take pills right? They take pills to curb their appetite. They take pills to burn fat faster. 
Um, you know, I, I, I just, I mean, I, I remember thinking there was a, there was a guy who, uh, a patient of my brother's who, um, told me, I mean, he wasn't telling my brother, my brother wasn't telling me, he was telling me, yeah, I, I, I'm, I keep asking for your brother to give me that magic pill. That's going to help me lose weight. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it but there is no pill. And so what do we do? So we're looking for a pill. We're looking for a software or, or we end up blaming other people. We blame the government for our problems. We blame our spouse for our problems. We blame everyone else, but ourselves, everyone. And so we stay stuck and we don't change and nothing happens. So over the past several years, uh, I've learned a lot about change and mostly through my own personal trial and error and failing and a little bit of success. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to lay out, I'm going to give you nine things that changed in my life that have been extremely valuable in, in all areas of my life. So in body, in my body, so the my, my body is the temple of the Lord. So how I take care of my body in my spiritual life and my, what I call being in balance in my family life. And then in business, like all four areas, all four domains that we live in body being balance and business. These changes have had significant impact across all of these areas. So this is, this is about more than just pornography, but what you realize is as you start to change, as you start to make changes, and experience changes, then what you're going to see is you're going to see an improvement across all four domains. And what happens is you start keeping promises to yourself. And it's, it's a really amazing thing when you start getting that momentum of keeping promises, keeping promises, keeping promises. Um, and then you start living with integrity and you start believing yourself when you say, I will do this. Now, I think this is something important to point out. And I think I've said it in one of the other podcasts before, but when I'm talking about change here, change is great, but really as a follower of Christ, we are after transformation, like trans we're, we're after nothing short of transformation. And so I'm going to save the last thing. I'm going to save the best for last out of this list of nine. I'm saying the best for last, because the last one I'm going to talk about is all about transformation. These others are change, but ultimately transformation is, is what we are after. Um, so let's get started. Number one, here are the things that I've changed that have produced positive results in my life. And I want to say this, a lot of these may seem like common sense, but guess what? I heard someone say once, common sense is not common practice, All right? Even though they may be common sense, they're not practiced. People don't practice these and it's, it's really incredible. And really the steps to be free from pornography, it's not some mysterious thing out there in the universe that you have to figure out and that nobody knows about. And that there are simple steps. It's just a matter of, are you going to take them? Are you going to do them? 
Are you going to? And most men, the truth is that most men will not. They won't. So know that as I'm giving you these, these are very common sense. There's like nothing special about these. However, what's uncommon is taking these and applying them in your life, taking them seriously. And what I've identified is like these are small daily opportunities that over time produce large changes. Okay, so the best way to change, in my opinion, is to identify small daily opportunities that have, that will over time have a massive impact. And I, I want to say that kind of this thought came to my mind first um, when I, uh, a buddy of mine, Forrest, and I started having lunch once a month and just talking about life in general and all these different things. And so we started reading a book together and it was a slight edge, the book called the slight edge. And this was all about the compact, the com compounding effect of these small daily, uh, decisions, like daily decisions over time have massive results either for good or for bad. And when you think about it with pornography guys, small daily decisions lead to massive, massive impact with pornography. It's massive collapse, massive collisions. It's horrible. It is a deteriorating marriage. You don't even realize it's deteriorating until you're divorced. You don't realize that you, um, you don't realize the path you're going down until you're in an adulterous relationship. You don't realize the damage that it's doing until your kids don't want to be around you until you've totally isolated yourself from anybody who loves you, everybody who loves you until you don't even have a church home, the church family that you're, that you're in fellowship with. So think about these. These are small little things that will produce large change over time. Number one, this is one of the things I did. I stopped drinking alcohol. I just stopped drinking alcohol. Like this was my, I, I was in a pattern where I was drinking. And this is probably back. I, re, I really don't even know when it started. So I'm not going to try to pinpoint a year, but um, I just, you know, I enjoyed a glass of couple of glasses of wine on the weekends. Uh, I, I love to drink, um, craft beer IPAs, uh, you know, during football games, that's great. Uh, get together with friends and have some, um, what is it? Uh, what is Tito's T Tito's? It's not Picardi. It's, um, I can't remember what, <laughs> I can't remember what it is anyway. Like this was started to become a pattern and I'm working out and, but yet then it got to be where at night I was drinking during the week, like come home from work and I'm going to cook dinner. So I'm going to drink a beer, maybe two beers, maybe a glass of wine. Um, and it got to be something that I was like, ah, could I be drinking too much? And so I want to say in 2017 slash 18 is, uh, Allison and I decided to stop drinking 
And so this was just a, a small decision that we said, Hey, you know what? It doesn't happen all at once. We're just, we're just stopped drinking. So we stopped bringing it into our house. We stopped ordering it when we went out to eat and it's had a massive impact, uh, on our lives. And, uh, so it's allowed me to feel better, to be more present with my family, um, really just to enjoy life without the need to alter the chemicals in my brain. Like I can, I, I watch football and it's, and I love it. Like it's fun and I don't need, don't need to drink. Now, having said that, I, I will say this every once in a while, I may have an old fashioned or a glass of wine on special occasions, but 99% of the time I drink water, like 99% of the time I'm drinking water or some type of recovery drink from a workout. And, um, I was just like, I have an app. I, I, I wear a whoop W H O O P uh, strap and it's tracks a lot of stuff about my health. And so one of the things every morning when I wake up, uh, and I tell it that I'm awake, it's asking me several questions. And one of them is, uh, did you drink alcohol? And so I, I track how much I drink and I was just looking at it this morning and, I, the past 90 days, I hadn't had any alcohol. Like I, I'm trying to think it was probably four months ago at a business dinner that I had an old fashioned. Um, so anyway, that's one. Now, some of you may be like, Oh my goodness, Spencer, I can't believe like, like you, you would drink. I mean, Oh my goodness. And, um, so it's, again, it's easy to judge people <laughs> for what they're doing. And yet, um, it distracts us from what we're doing or not doing. So that's one not drinking alcohol made an impact. Number two is eating healthy. Like eating healthy has been tremendous. I, I have not done this my whole life. I've been, I'm relatively skinny, have been my whole life. But at some point I realized that I was, you know, the foods that I was, I was eating were not good for me. And I, even though I was working out, like it, my body wasn't where I wanted it to be. I wasn't changing. I wasn't able to perform in the gym. And so what I started doing was just making these small daily decisions to eat healthier. Nothing too scientific. Listen, I have friends who 100% track all of their food. They are, they are into the macros and that's great. I think people can do that. They, they use um, tools like my fitness pal as an app uh, there's different programs out there that you can subscribe to. I don't, there's, for me, it's nothing too scientific. It's like lean proteins, vegetables, good carbs, and good fats, right? So I avoid sugar at pretty much at all costs, but I still like, I, I do love chips. And so something that I've come to find out and, uh, our quest chips. So quest makes protein bars, which I eat their protein bars and, they make chips and they're protein chips. Does that mean that I, I've done away with all chips? No, I, I don't. I, I wish I could say yes, but I don't. But 98% of my choices are solid. Um, at night, I eat what's called casein protein to help curb any kind of like craving for chocolate. So it's a, it's a protein and it's a slow um, it's a slow release protein that helps you when you're sleeping. And so what does eating healthy 
done for me. It's given me a sense of self-discipline that carries over into other areas of my life. Now, if you are severely overweight and you're struggling with pornography and you're drinking, you're eating bad, you're drinking, you're struggling with pornography, brother, let me tell you, there are some massive changes that need to happen in your life, but they start with small daily decisions. And nobody, guess what? Nobody's going to do it for you. Zero. Nobody. All right. Number three, working out. Working out. And, and obviously, these are basic. I'm going to get into some other ones here that may not be so obvious. But again, they're common sense. So working out. Like, I never thought that this was all always. I mean, I never thought that this was important because I've always been thin. I grew up playing sports when I was younger. But after my son told me that I was out of shape. He was probably 10 years old at the time. Um, I signed up for Iron Tribe Fitness, which is my friend Forrest, who I just mentioned earlier. It's, it's his gym that he started here in Birmingham. They've got locations around, um, mainly through the Southeast, I believe. Uh, and over the past 10 years, like this year will be my 10th year. It has become one of my favorite hobbies. Like I have made incredible friends at the gym and com combined with eating healthy, it's given me, I mean, it's just had a tremendous positive impact on my life. Um, during COVID, like when the gyms were shut down, I, 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 because I had, because I had these, like become, I had these habits, these work small, the working out habits, the eating healthy habits, those types of the not drinking, I, I carried this on even through COVID. I was working out at the house, just doing it differently. But I do love the fellowship. And the great thing about our gym is um, there's guys that I've become really good friends with. And, and now we're doing like Spartan races together. And, and so great. There's believers in the gym that so there's even Bible studies uh, that happen at night. I'm a part of one of them on Monday night, which is awesome. So that's number three. Number four is journaling journaling, writing, journaling. I do this directly after reading the word so that I can process what I'm learning. And now this has made me more self-aware, more thankful, given me improved decision-making, convicted me of sin. Like when I'm journaling, I'm able to write out what I'm feeling. And, and I'm always like, I copy and paste the passage that I've been reading in. And then right next to it is where I journal. And I do this on my iPad. So I have a pencil the, the Apple pencil and I am writing, I am journaling. I don't like to type it on the computer because studies have shown when you're writing something with your hand, this, like this eye hand coordination is gives you better retention. And so I, I'm just so thankful for this, that, um, I really actually started, I started writing poetry in high school, really, really bad poetry. And it, and it carried on into college. And then sometime in college, I was with Allison. I want to say we were in Atlanta and she and I were uh, hanging out and we went into a bookstore or something. And I started looking at journals and I got my very first journal. I still have it. It's in this room that I'm in right now. So I can go back and look at my first, you know, um, recording was probably in 1993 first thing. And so what I would do is I, back then I was just journaling about 
different days in college. And then um, I kept writing poetry, really bad poetry. And then eventually, um, as I, as I uh, you know, got married, as I became a follower of Christ, I started just journaling thoughts about the Lord. Then when I started Never Thirst and started traveling, that's when I got even more serious about journaling because I wanted to I wanted to have a record of all the things that I was seeing and experiencing what God was doing. And so I'm, man, I love my journals. I'll hold on to them. I'll give them to my kids if they want them. If not, they can throw them away, whatever. But man, it's, it's been a beautiful thing. And, you know, really what, what it also, so when I read the word, I see that as revelation. And then what is my response? And so my journal is my response. And it's allowed me to, to actually write out my prayers of praise, of confession, and, and, and just call out to God when I probably wouldn't have without the journal. So journaling. Number five, not caring what people think. Now, this is, that, that's an easy phrase to say. It's more difficult to actually uh, do. And, and I would say to at some level, we all do care what people think. And, and so I don't think that's always unhealthy. Like we want to, like, I, I want to, like, I was just reading Hebrews this morning. He was talking about being imitators of those who have gone before you. And he was pointing to Abraham. So we do, there's a sense where, Hey, we do want other, we do care what other people think because we want them to see us and imitate us in the faith right? Not in, a, not, in a, uh, not in a braggadocious way, but as we're pointing to Christ, we want them to, to also uh, see us. But not caring what people think, like if you can master this, it will free up a tremendous amount of space between your ears. And when that happens, you'll be able to focus on much more important tasks. So thinking about quitting pornography, most people are too worried. Most men are too worried about what others are going to think. So what do they do? They don't say a thing. They don't do a thing. They care more. They fear more what other people are going to say than they do what the Lord would have them do, right? And so they suffer in silence and refuse to take one of the most important steps of freedom, which is asking for help. I would even say that Men are definitely more comfortable listening to podcasts and not doing anything about their pornography issue. So brother, if you're listening to this and, and you've been struggling for years and years and years, and you have not done anything, but consumed information, then I want to encourage you. Like you, you need to get over the fear of other people. Like just think and ask yourself, maybe that's the first step. Ask yourself, is the fear of other people's opinions about me, is, that's what, is that what is holding me back from taking massive action? Ask yourself that. All right, going on, number six is reading books. Reading books. Love reading books. Like, why wouldn't we want to read? Why wouldn't we want to read? I, I have learned so much, and even in my early years of faith, when I just became, you know, I, I started, started reading biographies of, of 
men who who have set an example that I want to follow, like incredible biographies of people from long ago. They face the same type of stuff we face. So why wouldn't we want to read? I know it's easier to look at our phones and scroll social media. I know it's easier to watch TV, but what are we missing by not learning from wise people who have gone before us? I, I, I love this quote from Charlie Munger, who's a famous investor with Warren Buffett. I think he's partners with Warren Buffett, but I, I thought this quote was perfect. He said, in my whole life, I have known no wise people who did not read all the time. None, zero. And so look at your life. Do you read? I, I want to encourage you. Um, some, of the, some of the, I was even journaling this morning about, because, because what I was reading in Hebrews was talking about um, imitate those before you. And of course, he was pointing to Abraham so we can look at scripture and we, we can see the, the men and women of faith who have gone before us, and we want to imitate them. Ultimately, we want to imitate Christ, is who the Hebrew writer is, is going to point to ultimately. Like, Christ is our, is our model. But then, guys, we can be encouraged by fellow believers who have gone before us. I'm thinking of some of the most impactful biographies I've ever read. Ones like um, To the Golden Shore, The Life of Adoniram Judson, C.T. Studd, Jim Elliott, David Brainerd, um, George Mueller. Like the list could go on. These, these men like just greatly encourage me to press on, to take risks for the glory of God, to, to get over myself and, and be used by God. So if you're not reading books, again, common sense, not always common practice. Number seven, not watching the news or caring about politics. Boom. Wow. Especially in today's age with so much going on. I mean, it is so divisive news. What I found is really based on fear and based on things that you're not in control of anyway. So uh, if, if the news is ever on in our house, uh, Al Allison does like to watch, I think, the CBS Nightly News, David Muir. And I'm just like, and I talked to her about it. I'm like, listen, everything that they, everything that they're reporting on is meant to strike fear in your heart. And, except for they have a one thing at the very end, like one segment that's you know, 30 seconds long at the very end. It's like, uh, I don't know, uh, today's heroes or something like that. It's a feel good story, which I think that's just kind of the, that's the, um, the formula that they use or the recipe that they use for, for the news, but news and politics. I mean, uh, there are probably 100 better things to fill your mind with than what the media or politicians are pumping out. Now I know we are in a world where, Everything is a debate, right? Everything is a debate. Um, everything from masks and vaccines to um, immigration to uh, race. And I'm not saying these things aren't important, but if you are consumed with daily news and updates and caring about this, then uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it will m most certainly distract you from what your real purpose on earth is. 
All right, number eight. This is um, one that kind of is kind of encompasses all of these things. Is just developing discipline. Just developing discipline, self-discipline. Like I have I, my natural personality is not a self-disciplined person. If I have a culture index, I have a disc profile. These, all of these say I don't have attention to detail. I don't have a lot of follow-up in my personality, normal personality. So what did I have to do? I have to work extra hard. And there, obviously, I still don't like details. And I'm still not a big fan of like the, the minutia. Some, pe- some of you listening are that way. Um, but developing discipline does not come naturally. It's discipline. So I believe it starts with asking the question, what do I truly want in life? And then developing the system and habits to make it a reality. And this is what I see in, again, some of my favorite Christian biographies, men and women who decide what they wanted was a closer walk with Christ and saw what they saw was spiritual disciplines as a path to accomplishing the the desire. I'm thinking most notably about David Brainerd, which if you read his book, this guy's just like us. I mean, this guy struggled with self-doubt. He struggled with depression. He struggled with sin and he wrote about it. And so his biography is really just his journal. Um, and he's just literally writing about his struggles and his, his, his sin and how he longed to honor God. But guess what he did? He didn't quit. He never gave up. He just kept coming back to God over and over and over. And so what was the disciplines that he started? He started, not started, but he, he, went, went, he was in horrible condition. So he was a um, missionary to Indians in Pennsylvania, I believe is where it was back in the 1700s. He is praying. He is reading his word. He is teaching the word, trying to teach the word, trying to share the gospel with these Indians who didn't want to have anything to do with them. But it was daily study and memorization and meditation on the word prayer. It was journaling is what he did, obviously, because we're reading his book. And it's really, you know, uh, (laughs) just reading that biography can sometimes be a struggle because you're like, oh my goodness, like this is, it's never getting better. And then all of a sudden the Lord bursts through and say, started saving this tribe of Indians. And it was just amazing what God did, like incredible what God did. This, this man, like I was so enriched by reading his journal, like just his, the way he developed daily discipline and what we saw that play out. And then he got tuberculosis. He was sick this entire time. He was sick, coughing, had to go to the doctor, had to ride his horse to the doctor. Ultimately, David Brainerd died at the age of 29 in the home of Jonathan Edwards. And just an incredible picture of like discipline, perseverance, um, dedicating his life to the Lord and the Lord using him in a special way. So last one, number nine is, this is, and this is my favorite. This is about all about transformation. And that is spending time alone with God in the morning. And I don't really care what time you have to be at work. You ought to be getting up and getting in the word and praying before you go to work, before you start your day. Don't care. 
Like I get up at 4.30 and I'm not patting myself on the back. But the reason I get up at 4.30 is because I'm desperate. Like I'm a sinner. I know how sinful I am. And if I don't have that time alone with the Lord before my wife gets up, before my daughter gets up, before, you know, emails start coming in, text messages start coming in, there's no telling how my day is going to turn out, but I have to get right. I have to go to war with myself early in the morning. I have to be filled with the spirit. I need to pray and spend time and meditate on the word. I need to journal. I need to just take it all in. Then I need to share what I'm learning with my family. So I carve out two to three hours in the morning for time in God's word, journaling, praying, reading. You know, the, the, one of the reasons I chose the morning is that by the time dinner's over, like my willpower is shot and I have, I don't have the energy. I, I cannot like concentrate focus, um, for long periods of time, like I can in the morning. And so coffee, I love my coffee in the morning. I love my time. And that's why without fail, I will do this. So these are all things like all of these things that I've mentioned. There's nothing complicated about any of them. As a matter of fact, they are common sense, but common sense isn't common practice. And even though they're simple, they're easier not to do than to do. And, and ultimately, you have a choice. You have a choice. You may be doing all of these already, or you may be doing none of them. You may be doing some of them. But everyone has a choice. And, you know, it's easier just to do the things that we've always done and continue to get the results we've always gotten. So if you're a man struggling with pornography and nothing has changed for you, nothing has changed for you, you're doing the same things that you've been doing for decades, then I want to encourage you, like, wake up, wake up, not wake up in the morning, just you wake up, realize that something is not working. And just consuming more information, just consuming this podcast is not going to change you. You actually have to take action. You actually have to start doing something, doing something like God told Joshua, do not be afraid. And oh, by the way, go do what I told you to do. So what is God calling you to do that you're not doing? What is God calling you to do that you're not doing? What has he been telling you over and over? You hear it, you push it out of your mind. You hear what he says, and yet you go, no, 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 I can't do that. Ah, surely he's not telling me that. He would never, God would never tell me to share this struggle with this friend of mine. You never know. Your friend may be desperately seeking a way out of porn himself and waiting for somebody to talk to or longing for somebody to talk to. Oh, no, no, no. I can never tell my wife. She'll divorce me. You know how many times I've heard that? And you know how many times it hasn't come true when they've actually had the courage to tell their wives? It's probably a story I believed. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think probably more of my story was I don't want to deal with a painful conversation. I don't want to deal with the truth. I don't want to look bad in front of my wife. What if she uses this later down the road? What if things turn bad and she can just spread rumors about me? Lies, 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 stories you believe, stories you tell yourself that keep you in the dark, that keep you isolated, that keep you from walking in the light. 
guys, we can do better by the grace of God. And we owe it to ourselves to do better for our families, for brothers and sisters that we lead at work, for brothers and sisters that we are commanded to disciple in the church for our, for our own sake, for the glory of God, ultimately. Ultimately, he's called you to, to be transformed, to be conformed to the image of his son. Like you are to be conformed to the image of his son, and you will not do it by staying where you are in the pit of porn, in the prison of porn. There's something else he's called you to. I know it. All right, everybody. If I can help you, reach out to me, Spencer at never. This is the second time I've done it. Spencer at natural porn killer. Let's start with an N. Spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. Would love to hear from you. And if you haven't, please. Uh, if you feel led and if you feel like this has been of any value to you, please leave me a review. would love to see that. You can do that at, on Apple, um, on their podcast app. And I look forward to being back with you on another episode of Porn and the Gospel.